What a brilliant decision you made today to join us in the trenches with Dave Lappin, brought to you by First Star Logistics, because our guest is none other than the one and only Umar Sison. This guy is incredible. I mean, multiple legacies. Legacy as a quarterback in the National Football League. Legacy as a broadcaster, post-playing career in the National Football League at all levels. Radio, television, you name it, Boomer Esiason is, is part of it and all over it. And then the legacy of cystic fibrosis with Gunnar Esiason, the Boomer Esiason Foundation, raising almost $200 million research to combat cystic fibrosis. And his son Gunnar is now 32 years old, a dad himself. I mean, it's just what a life Boomer Esiason has led. He talks about all of that. He talks about the Cincinnati Bengals. He talks about the AFC North. Talks about a lot of things as only Boomer Esiason can. You made a very wise decision to join us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always emanating from our outstanding studios, because we have the most outstanding guest. This is none other than. Boomer Esiason needs no introduction, but league MVP, National Football League MVP in 88, NFL Man of the Year in 95, four-time Pro Bowler, undisputed leader of men, the best leader I've ever seen, the legendary, the iconic Boomer Esiason. What's up, man? Legendary, iconic. I love that. Uh, <laughs> good to see you, Dave. Here we go, 2023, and... Uh, we're hitting the ground running, and there's so much excitement around the NFL. I don't know if you guys know out there in Cincinnati that the Jets ended up trading for Aaron Rodgers. Did you know that? <laughs> I heard some about that. <laughs> Man, it sucked the life out of every story in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. It, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. What's your take on that, Boomer? Do you think, do you think it's going to be, you know, roses and, uh, and champagne? From it's never roses and champagne here in New York. Uh, there'll be some growing pains, I'm sure. But I have to say, uh, Joe Douglas, their GM, put put together a really good team. Yeah. Uh, they are they, their defensive uh, line rotation this year uh, is going to be right up there with San Francisco and the Philadelphia Eagles. They they are young, they are fast. Uh, they signed Quinnen Williams, who's an Aaron Donald type player. Uh, to a long-term extension. They have a tremendous secondary. They have C.J. Mosley, who leads the linebacking core. So the defense should be a top five. And then on offense, they redid the entire wide receiver room with the exception of Garrett Wilson. And they are loaded at tight end. Um, Makai Becton is the big question mark at right tackle for them. But Aaron Rodgers has been everything that the Jets could have asked for this offseason. He was a part of the OTAs. He was yeah. a part of everything that you could ask him to be a part of as the Jet quarterback. So there is uh, genuine excitement around this team. And I think they'll be one of the top four teams in the NFC, AFC as we start. So you, you've got them winning the division in, in Buffalo as a wild card? I, I do, actually. And, you know, Miami's a really good team, too. It's the two toughest divisions in the NFL. The toughest division is the AFC North. Yeah. Let's face it. you got defensive players uh, on all four teams that are quality pro bowl and all pro type players. You have quarterbacks who have a lot, you know, a, a lot to offer their respective teams. And the one that, that I'm interested in other than Joe Burrow, of course, is what Deshaun Watson's going to do with right. Cleveland. I mean, he hasn't really done much in two and a half years. 
Um, if he can somehow get his game right uh, with that defense that they have there, they're going to be a thorn in the side of every offense they play against because of Miles Garrett, of course. But then you think of the Steelers and the Ravens. You know, <laughs> these four teams could have all four defenses in the top five or six of the entire NFL if they all stay healthy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. A, a lot of people are picking, you know, a lot – I've seen a lot of prognosticators with three AFC North teams in the seven uh, playoff spots. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. I, Pittsburgh, what Pittsburgh's a, a, a factor as well. I mean, they're always going to be with Mike Tomlin. There's no question about it. You mentioned Joe Burrow, a boomer. Have you ever had any kind of a calf injury like that? Any muscle injury your calf? I don't have muscles like Joe. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, back in the day, I was drinking beer at uh, Flanagan's. <laughs> So, I didn't have to worry about pulling anything or ripping anything or any of that stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, his last three preseasons, he hasn't really had a chance to do much. Right. Think about it. And all he's done is put up uh, MVP type numbers. Unfortunately, he plays in a, a conference and, and also a league that has Patrick Mahomes in it and other guys who are going to throw more, uh, throw the ball more than he is. So they'll have a, a better opportunity to be uh, an MVP. But, you know, he's a – like I told you four years ago, he was a special player coming out of college. Yeah. Um, I felt like he was a can't-miss player. Uh, you, you you saw parts of that his rookie year until he got hurt. But then it really showed itself around week three, week four of his second year. And then ever since then, he and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have been like one, two, and three. And they're all right there. And I think any team in the league would love to have them as their starting quarterback as opposed to the one that's starting for them this weekend. You had great receivers um, in your in your heyday, the MVP season in 1988, you know, led by Eddie Brown, Tim McGee. Um, wh what about this Bengals trio of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd? Do you think it might be the best in the National Football League as a trio? Boy, it's right there. Um, I know that Minnesota's loaded at wide receiver. I know the Jets are loaded at wide receiver. Right. So are the uh, the Dolphins, and so are the Eagles, for that matter. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great wide receivers all around the league. What makes these wide receivers so great is the trust that the quarterback has in them. And you obviously saw that, you know, Jamar Chase's rookie year, that he and Joe had something special, and, and it just clicked right off the, the bat. You know, for me, it was Chris Collinsworth. Uh, that I finally learned, you know, everything that he was doing and right. I didn't even need to call a play. I could just look at him and I knew exactly where he was going to be. And then, of course, Eddie Brown and Tim McGee showed up. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of good wide receivers uh, when I was in Cincinnati. But uh, I don't necessarily know that I had a trio that is as good as the group that they have right now. I mean, they all do something special. The interesting thing for me is that we haven't heard about a contract for Joe Burrow or T. Higgins. And I can't believe that T. Higgins is going to start this season without a contract extension. That would be career suicide, potentially. Now, most guys in his situation have gotten new numbers and new deals. And most guys have had to bitch their way out of the place that they were playing in in order to get that to happen. Right. That's not who T. is. I know that. I know he's a different type of guy. He showed up at all the OTAs. He's been very quiet about his contract extension. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about this contract or these contract extensions at some point this week, because I can't imagine that those guys would step on the field risking injury 
when they have, you know, deals in front of them that are probably pretty significant. All right. How about this Twilight Zone scenario? Today is September 5th. We're, we're doing this on Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. What if today there's an announcement, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins have signed a contract, number nine and number five, on mm-hmm. 9-5-23? That would be unbelievable. That would be and by the way, you know, both players richly deserve what's coming their way. I mean, both players have outplayed their rookie contracts. Both players are, I would say, you know, Joe Burrow is definitely a top 10 player. T. Higgins is definitely a top 20 player. Um, I, you, you have to pay them eventually. And this would be a huge risk, especially for Higgins if he doesn't get a deal before the, the season starts. Um, and I would hope for his sake and for his family's sake, and for all of us who are Bengal fans to, to kind of just take a step back and say, okay, we got him locked up because they're going to end up having to do Jamar Chase next year. Right, right. Okay, Boomer, so culture. It's a big buzzword. You know, a lot of teams are using a lot of organizations are using it now. And you were the orchestrator of a great culture when you played here in, in Cincinnati. What What makes a great culture and how important is it? winning, winning and liking each other, you know, and respecting each other. And, you know, when you win and you had the success or have had the success that these guys are having now, um, you know, the culture is easy. I mean, it's easy to go to work. Everybody wants to show up. Everybody wants to be a part of it. Um, You know, the 88 season, we were coming off the 87 strike. Sam uh, roomed us black and white, offense and defense, that kind of thing. And that brought us back close together and to get over the, the sting of what the, 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 the 87 strike did to us. Uh, this team really hasn't had to deal with this. As a matter of fact, you know, like 80, I remember 85, 86, we were starting to come into our own offensively. I actually still think 87 was our best team, mm-hmm. but it was upended by the strike. So it took us a year later to get to the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. those four years, I feel like that's where the Bengal team of, of this year is. They're like right in the middle of that window that is really finally opening. And it is open. It's open for them. Uh, terrific defensive coordinator and Lou Anarumo, uh, Zach Taylor and his offensive staff uh, have done a well of a job letting Joe Burrow manage the whole thing. Uh, it reminds me a lot of when we were there in the 80s and we were all growing together and we were growing with the coaching staff. The good news is that, you know, Zach has not lost uh, coordinators, coaches off his staff unless he wants them to leave, uh, which brings continuity to that locker room, which is ultimately goes back to the culture of the locker room, but it's still, it's about the players and their likability and their respect for one another. So you were talking about the two conferences or two divisions within the conference, the AFC East and the AFC North top to bottom. Do you think the AFC North might be uh, the toughest? I mean, it, it's, you're going to be battle tested coming out of the, out of the division. The Bengals won the division two years in a row. Since the division has been formed in 2002, nobody has won it three years in a row. The Bengals could be the first to do so. You think they can get it done? And, and do you think this division is as balanced as any in football? Well, I certainly think they can get it done. It's not going to be easy. And right. I know you made mention maybe three teams out of the AFC North, but you know these teams are going to be knocking each other off. You know nobody's going through uh, the, their division schedule undefeated. Right. You know, let's face it. You know, somebody's going to, you know, pick somebody off here or there. I, I think the best 
team in the division maybe is a four and two team in the division. Remember, they were three and three last year in the division. Yep. Pittsburgh kicked the crap out of them early on in the season. Everybody's wondering what was wrong with Joe Burrow, if you remember. Yep. So, and they're going to see Pittsburgh in week two uh, this year. So, uh, look, that <laughs> every game in this division is a war. It always has been. I don't necessarily know that every team has had their definitive quarterback the way that these teams are set up now. And the one person who I really thought had a great preseason because I really wanted to see whether or not he was going to take the next step was Kenny Pickett of uh, Pittsburgh. He looked great in the preseason, and they look good. And you know if T.J. Watt stays healthy, they're going to be a top-five defense. Baltimore always gives the Bengals trouble. John Harbaugh is a pain in the neck as a coach. We all know that. Uh, And his team is always going to be ready. No more excuses for Lamar Jackson and the lack of passing game. Because if you take a look at their skill position players, they rank right up there with the Bengals, with the Eagles, with the Bills, with the Jets. I mean, they really went out and got some playmakers this offseason. So uh, this thing is going to be, it's going to be an incredible run. It's going to be an incredible 18 weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised if the AFC North division title comes down to like the last two to three weeks of the season when the teams are playing each other. Yeah. And the Bengals, like you said, to start the season off, uh, you know, they go up to Cleveland on the road up there at Cleveland, no easy task. They, they, they come back home and they play Baltimore week two. So two division opponents to start the season off. How tough is it? The Bengals haven't won in Cleveland since yeah. 2017. 2017. Let me ask you this question, Dave. You should be able to answer this one. Man. How do you feel if you're Orlando Brown Jr. and your first matchup is Miles Garrett? How you doing? You're here because of him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're going to find out. And, you know, listen, Orlando Brown Jr., you know, he can stand on his own against anybody. He's a Super Bowl champion. We all know that. He wants to be a left tackle, and he wants to go against those great pass rushers. To me, that is the lineup change that the Bengals have made to try to secure Joe Burrow's pocket. And if it collapses, you know, come Sunday in Cleveland because of that mismatch, if you want to call it that, uh, then then a lot of questions are going to be asked. But I think Orlando will be up to, to the task and hopefully Joe's going to be able to move around a little bit and not take so many direct hits. And the Bengals will come out flying, and I think you could take advantage of the uh, the secondary of the uh, the uh, Browns. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, Orlando Brown at left tackle, and Jonah moving from left to right, and Jim Schwartz, the new defensive coordinator for Cleveland, is all about getting a one-on-one matchup favorable in, to his best pass rusher. So, Miles Garrett and Lee Orlando, maybe he'll put him over there at Jonah. Some he might kick him inside. I, I think where he thinks the best mismatch is. Jim Schwartz, man, he's going to be playing games up there, trying to get those one-on-one matchups, and everybody better be ready because this this guy's an aggressive uh, aggressive defensive coordinator. There's no question about it. I'm glad you brought that up because most times people are talking about new head coaches and that the way the new head coach is going to, you know, kind of rework the team. Now, Brian Dable did a great job here in New York last year yep. when he took over the Giants and kind of unlocked Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones found his game. He got a big new contract and now a lot of pressure is on him uh, to live up to that contract. But when I think around the NFL about the coordinators 
that have moved around or have been brought back, like Bill O'Brien in New England, Jim Schwartz in Cleveland, Eric Bieniemy down in Washington, you know, uh, Kellen Moore out for the LA Chargers. Right. I mean, I, I wonder like the impact that those guys will have and how positive of an impact it will be. I know O'Brien and Schwartz will have positive impacts on their teams. Uh, they, they just have a history of turning things around and getting things right. And I would say that uh, Jim Schwartz is probably one of the more valuable coaching hires uh, this coming uh, in coming into this season for the Browns. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge up there, man. The Bengals and, and Browns, you know what that's like the battle of Ohio uh, chapter one here. What, what do you think about Deshaun Watson boomer? You, you know, do you think, do you think he will be closer to the quarterback that in, in 2020 through for, you know, four, over 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. Do you think he's going to struggle like he struggled last last year? I mean, is it can he can he adapt back? Can you go back or everything that he went through? Is it a permanent scar that he'll have to overcome? What do you think? I don't know. You know, all the stories out of Cleveland now. He's a leader. He's a captain, and all that stuff. That's great. You know, I mean, I'm sure right. the guys in the locker room respect him, regardless of what went on in his private life outside of the Houston locker room. Right. He seems to be past all of that. I just don't know uh, if he will ever recapture what he was at one point in time in his career. And at one point in time in his career, he was Superman on the field. And I remember my buddy Frank Reich, who was the head coach of the Colts, who had to see the Sean Watson twice every year, said he is so hard to defend. It's not because he's Tom Brady and he's reading defenses. It's because he is such an incredibly gifted athlete who had a howitzer for an arm and you had to stay with your receivers 60 yards down the field, because eventually if he doesn't throw it to them, he may break the pocket and just launch it down the field. And remember he was throwing to Deandre Hopkins. So those two were like basically what AJ green was to Andy Dalton. Of course, I, what uh, Jamar chase and T Higgins are to uh, Joe Burrow. So I would just, I, I'm, I'm not a believer. You know, they gave him a lot of money. They, the way they wrote the contract, it's almost like they had to bribe him to come to Cleveland. If you remember, initially he wanted to go either to New Orleans or to Atlanta. And he said no to Cleveland until Cleveland did what Cleveland normally does when it comes to quarterbacks, screw it up. And basically <laughs> said, we're going to give you all this money, no matter who you are or what you did. And we right. know you're going to be suspended meaning that you're not going to be playing football for over a year and a half. And he, his play reflected that. So I think he's a good player now. I don't think he is the great player that he once was. That four-year stretch you're talking about when he was in Houston, 67.8% completion percentage, better than two out of every three. Quarterback rating over a four-year stretch of 104 and a half. I, I mean, remember he, his, head coach, who was, his head coach was Bill O'Brien. Yep. And Bill O'Brien now takes over as the offense coordinator. He goes back to New England, as I was just telling you. And when Bill O'Brien was last in New England as an offense coordinator, New England had the number two offense in football and had the number one or number two offense in the red zone. So there's a guy who knows what he's doing, knows how to handle quarterbacks. I think Deshaun's performance under him showed that. And I'm sure Mac Jones's performance will show that this year under him up in New England. All right, Boomer, September 25th, Monday Night Football. I'll be coming here quickly. The Rams come to Cincinnati. Do you think about that night 
uh, much? And, and what's it going to be to go into the ring of honor? What's that going to mean to you and your family, Boomer? I know, I know you're a family man. Your family adores you. What, what's it going to be like? I mean, what, what will that night be like? You know, Dave, it's been so long. Uh, I don't know how to really approach it, to be honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm so, I'm, I'm, all I can tell you is that I'm, I'm so thankful that the, the fans voted me in. Yep. Um, I think they voted me in on the, at the right time, if you will. Um, I think if this were done 25 years ago, I wouldn't have some of the red, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not guilt. I feel like guys like you and other people that played before me in Cincinnati should have already been up on that uh, ring of honor. And I, I, I just feel like this guys that played for eight, nine, 10 years, you know, the Bob Trumpies of the world, the Chris Collinsworth of the world. I mean, there's so many other players that went well before me. And I remember when Corey Dillon came out and I know he was upset that he wasn't getting into the ring of honor, right. you know, and I'm on my TV and radio show in New York city trying to explain this that, you know, the Bengals haven't done this until three years ago. And then what it does, it puts everybody in a really weird spot. Like I get asked the question all the time, how come you're not up there yet? How come you're not up there yet? I'm like, well, because they just started it three years ago. Uh, you know, how, you know, and then I think about all those players that played the 25 years prior to me arriving, right. that served to be up there as well and should be up there as well. But I'm glad that the Bengals are finally recognizing their history. I'm, I'm certainly very proud and very happy to be a part of that. I look forward to that Monday night. I know that my grandkids, two of my grandkids will be with me. Awesome. Um, and that's really the ultimate Super Bowl for me is that they get to participate in something like this with me because that means the world to me. So I look forward to that night and uh, I look forward to hopefully a Bengal win more importantly. I hear that. And let me uh, make mention of this as well, because this is a big part of your legacy. Cincinnati Children's Hospital has the Gunner Esiason Cystic Fibrosis Lung Center. Scholarships have gone out to hundreds of students. You've raised in excess of $100 million to fight cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation uh, fund uh, the research for cystic fibrosis. I mean, making that kind of a Having that kind of a legacy in, in, in that way, what is that like to you? Yeah, well, that's more important. We're closer to 200 million, by the way. Is that right? Wow. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, what's amazing is that it did all start at Cincinnati Children's Hospital back in 1993. So that was 30 years ago. That's when Gunnar was diagnosed. He was diagnosed at 25 months old. And I'll never forget that day as both Cheryl and I were crying. And uh, we were just thinking about like what what is the future going to hold and what is the the reality of this disease and at that point in time you know kids were living into their teens going through high school they told us that gun probably would go to college i don't like that word probably i wanted him to go to college and my dream was for him to outlive me honestly i mean that's what every parent should hope for absolutely right and you know uh when he graduated college, he was at end stage illness and he felt like he was going to need a double lung transplant, which is not a panacea by any stretch of the imagination. It creates so many other problems. And then in 2018, a, a new drug came to the market. He was on it. He was on a drug trial. It impacted him within 48 hours of taking one of two pills per day. Wow. And right now, uh, at the age of 32, 
He's a father. He's a husband. He just starts. He started his second new job today as we speak. Really? Uh, it's a big job for a big hedge fund out of Boston. So uh, it's, it's amazing what he is doing with his life. And then, of course, uh, he graced us with our grandson, Casper, uh, in uh, December 24th, 2021. So I got to tell you, it is... Uh, it's been an amazing ride. And to me, that's my Super Bowl. Everything else is kind of icing on the top, I guess you would say. But to watch him and watch my uh, daughter-in-law and raise their, my God, my grandson, it's, there's nothing gives me more uh, happiness in the world than that. To watch you handle the initial stages of, of that whole thing, the process of of finding out what, what the situation was with Gunner, how you responded, how you reacted, how you handled it, all the while trying to play in the, you know, do your thing in the National Football League at such a high level of execution. I was like, man, Boomer Sison now, this dude is special. I mean, there's the good Lord, the good Lord uh, definitely said, I'm going to challenge you, Boomer, but he knew Boomer Sison could handle it all, man. He knew. <laughs> I don't know about handling it all, but I will say this. I say all, often that Gunner is my hero and that Casper is our miracle. And when I say our miracle, I just don't mean our family's miracle. I mean our cystic fibrosis community miracle. Right. Because it shows that after all of the fundraising, after all of the investment, after all of the misses on shots on goal and missed shots at the basket, we finally hit one. And not only do we hit it, uh, the people that are benefiting from it, about 90% of the CF families are benefiting from it, um, are changing their lives so much so that Gunner is still involved with our foundation. He's our chief strategy officer. He's the one that's creating all of our programs. And he wanted to start an IVF program for other CF families. And I watched the 10 families who were selected through an application process who received a full IVF grant from our foundation on behalf of Gunner and Darcy and Casper and watching the reactions from the, 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 the you know, the, the husband and wife was just, it was, it was, gave me chills. And it just showed that everything that we said we were going to do, we were going to do, and then we're actually going to do even more because that's what Gunner wants to do. Uh, he doesn't have to do it, but he wants to do it. And that probably makes me more proud of him than anything else. Man, I'll tell you. Boomer size and you've led an incredible life, man. And uh, the next generations are are picking right up, right up on it. So, it, uh, congratulations on so many levels and so many areas. And certainly do appreciate you carving time to to join us in the trenches, my man, as always. And uh, look, I'll be watching you. Be watching you, listening to you. You're all over TV, radio. You are the man, Boomer Sison. Just remember, Dave. You work the hardest, you're known the least, but who cares for you are the reason? That is the offensive lineman's prayer in the trenches. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I got to Let's write that down, Mason. We, we got that. We got it on tape. We're, we're going to document it. Here we go. See, if you would have played for me or with me, I should have said, yes. you would have you gotten a nice Tiffany obelisk and that would have been etched on it. It's called the offensive lineman's prayer. Love that. Love that. It's great. Yeah. That is awesome. And uh, I'll tell you what, Boomer, that's my one regret. I wish I was an offensive lineman, Boomer Sison, in that era, boy. 
It was fun doing it on radio. It was fun watching the whole thing. But being in the locker room, being on the field, being part of that, whoo. Oh, that would have been unbelievable. Could you imagine if I were making $40 million a year? <laughs> oh, man, everybody would have had a Lamborghini if they could have fit in it. I probably would have bought them F-150s. <laughs> Fleet of F-150s, here we go. Oh, it's great. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. You're the best, Boomer. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Appreciate you immensely. Have a great See one. See you in a few weeks. Yes, sir. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team. Opportunity knocking.